Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. DiMaggio. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Wednesday, October 13th, as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Dern versus Rodriguez, which took place back on Saturday at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. Uh, Going to be a real short one here because there's not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we did miss the preview show for this event although you know if we're gonna miss one which i'm not i'm not saying i was right in missing that preview show because i we need to be doing previews and recaps but if ever there was a one to miss it probably was this one or uh the the one we have uh, upcoming on saturday because that's going to be another real fucking snoozer uh of a card i wonder if you can find the uh the the couple of common traits uh in those two cards but um complete lack of depth on this card we had a bunch of fights fall out uh you know under a week uh, heading into this uh this fight card uh again I-, I was working during the fight card so I-, I didn't quite see every single fight on this card but i did see the main event i, I did see the co-main event uh you know so we'll we'll talk about it but you know uh, sometimes, sometimes we say a card looks really bad on paper, but you know it, it turns out good in reality. Uh, this one was not really, uh, not really the case. You know, it wasn't a terrible card. Definitely below average. Uh, real quick card. Early start time as well, uh, which I'm not a f- not a fan of. But I understand the UFC doing that. I mean, you had Fury fighting. Uh, against Wilder, which was a great fight. He's now 3-0 against Wilder. Absolutely no reason to fucking do this third fight, but just completely dominated him. Uh, you know, five knockdowns all around. Really, I should be doing this this uh, recap about Fury and Wilder, but uh, uh, it's not a, uh, not a boxing show. But that was very, very good. So I understand the UFC not wanting to compete with that uh, fight card, so I respect them putting together, uh, you know, a dog shit card on paper, you know, and just submitting to the, you know, the the higher ups in boxing. But uh, yeah, no, I guess we can start here with the main event. So obviously, uh, we had Marina Rodriguez winning a unanimous decision victory over Mackenzie Dern, one of the more overrated fighters, uh, who somehow was ranked at like f- number four, maybe even number three. Uh, at strawweight, which is one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever seen. You can imagine why she's ranked at number three or number four. It certainly is not because of her skills or what she's done. Uh, Strawweight's pretty thin, but it ain't that thin. Uh, So I have no fucking clue why she was ever ranked that high. It should have been UFC Fight Night Rodriguez versus Dern, because I have no fucking clue how they think Mackenzie Dern has done more 
in the strawweight division than Rodriguez, who was a legitimate title challenger. And I think we really saw that uh, on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, Rodriguez is the real deal. She's the the real deal. Um, I thought she was a little bit more of a one-trick pony. Obviously, we know she's a very, very good striker, and we saw that on display. Had Dern hurt a couple of times. Really good at managing distance. You know, tall, lanky. Uh, just a really, really good kickboxer. Honestly, probably a top five striker, in, uh, you know, on the female side of things. She's probably a top five striker. She's not the best striker. You know, you'd have to say, you know, probably Joanna's better, Shevchenko's better, Nunez is better, uh, maybe Rose. But I think right right when you get done talking about those fighters, I think you have to put Rodriguez in, in the discussion, you know, if we're doing a, a tier of, of strikers. She's a really, really good striker. There's, there's not really going to be a scenario where she's going to be outgunned unless she's taking on some of those top fighters. But even then... You know, I think some of the better strikers are at 25, uh, well, obviously, you know, like Shevchenko and Nunes, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see, and I guess we'll get to this in a minute, but it would be interesting to see how she matches up against some of the the top fighters at at 115. But like I was saying, I thought she was a a, a one-trick pony, or or I didn't think she was a one-trick pony, but I thought she was more, she was closer to being a one-trick pony than being a well-rounded fighter, but I think this fight really kind of flipped the script on that because she survived on the ground against Mackenzie Dern for several minutes, or maybe not several minutes, but a few minutes, you know, throughout the fight. And, you know, that kind of sounds like a backhanded compliment, you know, oh, wow, she survived. But sometimes that's just what you got to do. You know, Rodriguez is 33 or 34 years old. She's not going to learn to be, you know, elite on the ground, but you are going to face some pretty good fighters, you know, whether they're wrestlers or BJJ or whatever their background is, there's a lot of good ground fighters in the UFC. And if you can avoid getting submitted by Mackenzie Dern, just stay alive every single round starts on the feet. She's a fucking problem. She really is a problem because you're not going to beat her on the feet. And we just saw, I mean, Mackenzie Dern is definitely a, you know, a top, uh, Grappler, top ground fighter, one of the top ground fighters in this division. So it's like, you know, if she gets to the rematch with Carla Esparza, if she gets a fight against, um, you know, Rose, who's pretty capable on the ground, I kind of like Rodriguez's chances. I'm not going to say I'm going to pick her outright to win the fight, but based on what we saw here, that was a very encouraging performance. And I really think that she's. Uh, either earned a title shot or you know is is just one step away it gets a little weird we have to wait for rose and zhang wei li part two obviously carla esparza has done a lot to earn a title fight technically carla esparza has a win over rodriguez uh from last year i don't know about that it was a pretty close fight you know a lot of people scored that for rodriguez um but you know rodriguez is a, is a very legitimate fighter now, again, it gets interesting when you talk about future opponents because um, I saw a lot of people saying that it, we, we need a Esparza versus Rodriguez, Rodriguez for a title eliminator. And I just think that's really fucking stupid. I don't, I don't, you know, it was a great performance by Rodriguez, but if I'm Carla Esparza, why, the, why would I do that? I'm ranked ahead of her. I have a win over her. I'm next in line for a title. That's what I'd be saying if I was Carla. 
So it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't I don't see that. Actually, it wouldn't shock me if that happens because you, you never fucking know. But I don't think that'll happen. That doesn't seem like the right thing to do. I think Carla Esparza has earned a title shot. Rodriguez could have next. Or what I'd really like to see is her take on Joanna. I think that would be a great fight. Two really good strikers. I'm generally not a fan of female main events on fight nights because they're, you know, I've noticed a pattern that uh, sometimes, sometimes female fights can be a little lackluster. Sometimes, sometimes. But if we go Joanna Janjacek and Rodriguez for a title eliminator, which I think is fair. I mean, uh, Joanna's at number three, at least in North Star Sports rankings. I don't know, you know, what bumfuck UFC rankings they have. But, you know, Joanna's obviously a legend. She's at number three. Rodriguez is at four. So let's do that for a fight night main event. You know, it, it's going to be one hell of a striking battle. It really, it, it needs to be a main a fight night main event because I want that fight to be 25 minutes. I don't want it to be 15. And let's let's see who's the best striker at 115. And the winner takes on uh, whoever. And, you know, really you could kind of treat it like a, a, a tournament in a way, I mean, I don't know how Carla Esparza figures into this into this tournament, but, you know, really you got, basically you have like five fighters that I'm really, really interested in that I would like to see all kind of fight each other in the next year. You know, Rose, Zhongwei Li, Joanna, and Rodriguez, Rodriguez and, and Esparza. And then maybe six, you know, if, if Tatiana Suarez ever gets healthy, that's an interesting little, you know, wild card to throw in there. But I think those five fighters, I really want to see as many of those five face each other in whatever combination the UFC deems fit uh, over the next year. Because I think, I think it's fair to say any of those five could be, well, obviously Rose is champion, but, you know, any of those fives could, five could be champion on any given day. So... You know, I, I think I think this is a very positive outcome for 115. Uh, it you know 115 still doesn't have a lot of depth, but it's it's getting interesting. It's getting interesting. Uh, and then for uh, you know Mackenzie Dern, I don't really know where she goes here. Obviously facing somebody a little lower in the rankings. Knowing the UFC, they'll probably give her uh, you know a nice easy comeback fight. You know, obviously has has talent. Uh, nobody, nobody denies that she's probably always going to have the advantage on the ground. But you know, that's two fights uh, in the last couple of years where she's really been outshined on the feet. Uh, the fight, obviously, on Saturday, and then the one against uh, Amanda Hibas. So you know, working with Jason Perlo, that seems like a pretty good uh, strategy. So you know, she's young-ish. You know, she's 28. So. You know, she's in her prime, right at, the, right at the beginning of her prime. So, you know, if she can improve on her striking, then, you know, uh, I think she, she still can be a pretty uh, formidable uh, potential, potential title challenger in the, in the future. All right, we'll move on here to the co-main event. Quite a, quite a barn burner of a co-main event here between Randy Brown and Jared Gooden. Uh, back and forth fight really uh, Brown pulled apart later later on in the fight I don't have uh, any disagreements with how the fight uh, was scored uh, obviously not um, you know not uh, not a high profile co-main event I mean you know a co-main event that could be mistaken for you know a, a fight night prelim opener 
Uh, but, you know, they, they, they did their boy Randy Brown a favor and, and gave him a, a co-man event. And, you know, he made the, the most of it. Jared Gooden, you know, tough guy, good power, uh, good chin. But, you know, Brown outstruck him, significant strikes and, uh, and total strikes uh, as well. Really not even that big of a difference between significant strikes and total strikes. I mean, basically every strike that was thrown in that fight, according to the UFC, was uh, significant. So uh, fair enough. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Still very far away from the rankings uh, at 170. But, uh, you know, and I, I don't I don't think, you know, he's on the up and up and that he's going to, you know, just, you know, rock it up. I mean, he's been in the UFC for quite some time and, you know, has a handful of losses, albeit just, you know, some fairly good fighters. But, uh, you know, you got to beat good fighters if you want to uh, get anywhere in the UFC. Uh, we had a unanimous decision victory for Matthäus Nicolau over Tim Elliott. Did not watch that one. Uh, Tim Elliott's kind of uh, a busted fighter at this point. Obviously, a, one of the bigger names at 125, but, uh, you know, kind of busted. So, you know, a good, good matchup there for Nicolau. You know, he was on a two-fight winning streak, but he'd lost, I mean, good God, like six of his last ten. So, you know, really, really trending the wrong direction there. So, uh, I thought Nicolau lost to Manel Kopp, and then he gets a top-ten opponent here in Tim Elliott, who was a gangster, who was a G. uh, But, you know, uh, wins a close one here over uh, Tim Elliott, and, you know, Flyweight's just really easy to climb those rankings. It's very easy to climb those rankings. Uh, you know, that's why I always, I always think it's hilarious. You you know, you watch the Contender Series, uh, which I just watched uh, a few hours ago. You know, you watch the Contender Series, and it, it seems like 40% of the male fights on the Contender Series take place in the flyweight division. And it's just like, I know this fighter's going to be ranked in the top 15 in in four months because it's so easy to, to climb the rankings at 125. You know, you, you win on the contender series, you make your debut, you beat, you know, a fighter who's, you know, one in three. You know, you beat, you beat fucking, I don't know, you beat Zhalgas Zumagulov or you beat, you know, Ryan Benoit and you're ranked like number 12 right off the bat. So, you know, it's fucking absolutely hilarious how the rankings work at 125. Um... Still trying to fill out those rankings. Still trying to fill them out, you know. Which, I mean, it's their own. It's their own doing. But it's kind of crazy to think, like, man, I think like a year and a half ago, two years ago, they didn't even have, uh, or they barely even had 15 fighters on the roster, or they might not even had a. Because I swear there was a point where we did rankings where we couldn't. We couldn't do a top 15. We just did a top 10. So, you know, still trying to build up 125, which. I don't know how they can't build 125. I mean, you know, a lot of people think like, you know, you can't, there's not enough good fighters at 125. There's a lot of good fighters at 125. I wouldn't say it's the strongest division in MMA on the whole, but like, yeah, look at, look over at one, like the UFC, instead of getting a bunch of fighters off the contender series, which I think is still a good strategy at 125, but they need to, you know, pony up some money to, to, you know, buy some fighters or sign some fighters over from, like, Ryzen or, or 1FC. Like, there's plenty of good 125 fighters uh, over in 1FC who probably would be pretty good in the rankings. They're just not in the UFC. I think 125 is the one division where the UFC... I, I think the UFC still has the best 125 division in the world, 
but I think the, the the gap is the narrowest at 125. You know, you look at bantamweight or something, and without a doubt, the UFC has almost all of the best bantamweights in the world. You know, you look at welterweight. I mean, of course, there's you know a Michael Venom Page or a Yaroslav Amasov or you know a Douglas Lima outside of the UFC. But if you were to look at the top 50 welterweight fighters uh, in, in the world, I mean, probably probably 40. 40, 42 of them are going to be in the UFC. Uh, but you look at flyweight, I mean, there's a lot of fighters I see that could be in the top 15 that aren't in the UFC. So they need to do a little more development uh, in that division. Uh, moving on, we had a submission for uh, Maria Agapova over Sabino Mazo. Saw the finish, came very, very quickly. Uh, kind of a spaz of, uh, of a fighter, obviously most known for uh, being... Uh, the biggest on on the wrong side of the biggest upset of last year when she lost to uh, Shanna Dobson, uh, which we had as the biggest upset of the year at uh, our, our North Star Sports Awards. So you know, good for her getting back on track. Definitely a little bit of a character inside the cage. So good for her. Uh, we had a split decision win for Chris Gutierrez over Felipe Colares. Uh, I don't really see how that was a split decision, uh, if I'm being honest, but uh, I think they got the, the, the right guy on that one. Gutierrez definitely uh, deserved a win. Uh, talented, talented fighter. Uh, I'd probably like to... I mean, he's going to have a really f- tough fucking time trying to climb at 135, just like uh, anybody else is going to have a tough time climbing at 135. Frankly, don't even see how you could give one round to Kolarez. It probably was a clean sweep, in, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to have a tough time climbing uh, 135. Uh, somewhat of a bigger guy at 135. Maybe a move to 145 would be a little little more compelling, but he's he's on a quite the impressive non-losing streak. He has a, a draw in there, but, you know, he hasn't lost in his last uh, six UFC appearances, so you know he's he's uh kind of racking up the uh the the fight time so active fighter fun fighter great great with the leg kicks and a solid win there against Felipe Colares uh moving on to the most notable uh of the prelims we had uh, Alexander Romanov winning uh in round 2 via ground and pound over Jared Vandera uh absolute murder i don't really see why this fight was ever made uh, I know Jared Vandera had a good last performance uh, against Justin Taffa. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't really think he's uh, anything special. Romanov, on the other hand, I think is very, very special. Probably has one of the best uh, grounded pounds uh, in the UFC. You know, albeit you know he's fighting at the lower levels right now. So we'll obviously see if he can continue to do this at the higher levels. But you know, this motherfucker won via a forearm choke against Hajerio uh, Dilima. So you don't really see a whole lot of people just winning via brute force, via forearm choke. So, you know, he's 4-0 in the UFC, has three finishes, has that kind of weird technical split decision against uh, Juan Espino. Uh, But, you know, this guy, we moved him into the ranking, so he's now at number 15 in the heavyweight division. And, you know, he's just another young young guy at, at, at heavyweight. Heavyweight is really, really... Uh, transforming itself and, and, and in a very good way. 
you know, I wouldn't call Romanov, you know, one of these freak athletes, athletes like I would other young fighters that are coming up in the heavyweight division, you know, that next gen, that new breed, like a Cyril Gaon, like a Chris Dawkins, like a Tom Aspinall, you know, those are, are young athletic freaks, you know, in an old man's division. Uh, but, you know, Romanov is an interesting uh, addition. And again, you know, he, he, I, I would love to see him fight somebody in the rankings. I don't know if any of these guys have fights uh, just yet. In fact, looking at the guys ahead of him, it does look, if I, if I remember correctly, I think Walt Harris has a fight. I think Augusto, Augusto Sakai has a fight. Olenek is going to fight um, uh, Greg Hardy. I think Tuivasa has a fight. So, you know, Romanov, if, if he wants to look up, he's probably going to be waiting for uh, a little bit. Maybe Sergey Spivak in number ten. He's probably looking up, not down. But uh, you know, I'm sure they could. Uh, I'm sure they could find somebody for him. You know, maybe if they can't find anybody for him, maybe they run it back with Juan Espino. You know, I'd like to see that one again. That was a solid fight. You know, always shitty when it when it ends in a, a technical decision. Although you know, the fight lasted long enough for them to score it, um, which obviously is what a technical decision is. But. Uh, no, very, very interesting. Very dangerous and, and fun fighter uh, at heavyweight. All right, moving on. We had a uh, unanimous decision win for Damon Jackson over Charles Rosa. Uh, very good fight. Very, very fun fight. Uh, you know, definitely was one of the fights that I was looking at uh, to, to kind of produce if this fight card was going to be, you know, anything worthwhile, uh, you know extremely bloody fight i mean damon jackson basically just grew a vagina on his forehead uh that was uh very very gross and and seeing some of the pictures seeing seeing videos and pictures of a tube of red coming out of his head and the tube of red was just blood like you know how like you you pour a bottle of water and sometimes you can pour it just right to where it looks like the bottle of water is not even moving you know, but water's coming out. It's just like that perfect tube of, of liquid. That's basically what happened with Damon Jackson's fucking head. Uh, very, and I'm not, you know, blood is whatever. I mean, I don't like, I don't necessarily like seeing it, but I'm not like, uh, I'm going to faint if I see blood. But even for someone who's just kind of like indifferent towards blood, that was fucking gross. That, that really was, and I've, I've seen plenty of terrible videos on the internet. I've seen you know, people's heads exploded with shotguns. You know, I've been on Reddit 50-50 before a couple of times in my life. And uh, that's pretty fucking gross. That's pretty gross what happened to Damon Jackson. But, uh, you know, he, he gets the win. You know, the stats don't really look that great for him. So he got outstruck 116 to 53, which sounds pretty fucking bad. But he outstruck uh, Charles Rosa with significant strikes. He landed four more takedowns, had more ground control time, and it just seemed like uh, it, it just seemed like uh, he, w- he was more purposeful. It, it seemed like he was more purposeful, and, and, and had you know, I, I, it's kind of weird to say because obviously he had you know the the just you know open wound, the hatchet wound on his head, but it really seemed like Damon Jackson was doing more damage outside of, you know, the little spinning elbow that, that Rosa did. So, you know, I, I think Damon Jackson probably won that fight. Uh, you know, maybe I should go back and rewatch it now looking at the stats. But again, you don't have access to the stats at the time. And uh, I don't disagree with uh, Damon Jackson win, uh, winning the fight. And the uh, Charles Rosa curse continues. 
This guy has flip-flopped wins and losses uh, since 2014, and he's been fairly active. So, I mean, Jesus, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The last 12 fights, he has flip-flopped wins and losses. So, I can guarantee you Charles Rosa in his next fight is going to get a win. So, might as well put him up against fucking Charles Oliveira or something because, you know, when you got when you got juju like that, you know, you got to you got to take advantage of it. All right, moving on. Uh we had a uh, a quick round one submission via armbar for Lupita Godinez over uh Silvana Juarez, don't care. And then we had a uh, a pretty interesting fight for the prelim opener. Uh, we had a round two TKO for Steve Garcia over Charlie Ontiveros. Two pretty unimpressive fighters uh, in the UFC. Two fighters who maybe don't belong in the UFC, but a really good performance from Garcia. And it's interesting, too, because Ontiveros fought Kevin Holland at 185, and Steve Garcia was a bantamweight, and they're fighting at 155. And Garcia was kind of manhandling him, which is, you know, is very, very uh, interesting. Not a good sign for Ontiveros. Ontiveros is a terrible fighter. Don't know why he was in the UFC uh, and just got completely worked over. You know, he's a little bit dangerous when it comes to the striking, the karate background, you know, the weird flip kicks and, uh, and stuff that he does. And he obviously hurt Garcia, a bantamweight, a couple of times. But, uh, you know, Garcia w- was good. He was uh, resilient with the, the takedowns and then obviously uh, hurt him. Probably just as many t- as many times as Ontiveros hurt Garcia, and then uh, you know finished him uh, with strikes. Very very uh, heartfelt performance there for Garcia, and uh, you know again even though it's against a guy who probably shouldn't even be in Bellator, you know it's a it's a performance that that makes me want to see Garcia fight again, and you know sometimes that's all the, that's all you can ask for, you know. You're, you're, you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're fighting some guy who has no name. You're, you're, just, you're just trying to get people to care about you. And I care a little bit more about Steve Garcia after watching that fight. The next time he comes up, the next time we do a fight preview and I see his name, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy from that fight. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to watch that guy fight. He leaves it all in the cage. And, you know, that's what he does. Leaves it all in, in, the, uh, in the cage. Uh, he also lost uh, the fight before this to Luis Pena, who just got cut by the uh, the UFC today. So, you know, tough times for Luis Pena. <laughs> uh, and yeah, Antiveros is most certainly going to be cut after this one. He has an 11 and 8 record, so you know, probably probably doesn't belong in the UFC. But he has some interesting losses. He lost to Jeff Neal, and he lost to uh, Michael Venom Page. So. You know, he has some interesting matchups on his resume, but uh, not a lot of wins. All right, so with that, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. We'll uh, quickly go over the rankings, uh, the, the changes that we made. So like I uh, said before, Alexander Romanov is now in the rankings, the North Star Sports rankings. Uh, at 15 in the heavyweight division, we moved Shamil Abdurakimov from 15 to unranked because he hasn't won a fight in like two and a half years. Uh, let's see here. Not a whole lot of changes until we get down to flyweight. So obviously, uh, Matthäus Nicolau got the win over Tim Elliott. He goes from 15 to 9. So a pretty big uh, jump there. 
and then every fighter below him moves down a spot. So Tim Elliott, Dvorak, uh, Sumadarji, Albazi, Silva, and uh, Manel Kopp each move down a spot. And I don't have who moved from 15 to unranked, so unfortunate, unfortunate. Did not keep track of that. Uh, and then we had some shuffling here in the women's strawweight division. Rodriguez gets the win. She moves from 5 to 3. We moved uh, Suarez and Joanna down one spot. So Suarez from 3 to 4, Joanna from 4 to 5. Yan Xiaonan stays the same at 6. Uh, and then we moved Mackenzie Dern down one spot from 7 to 8. And she flip-flops with Claudia Gedalia, who goes from 8 to 7. So the women's strawweight division goes uh, from one to eight. Uh, Weili Zhang, Carla Esparza, Rodriguez, Suarez, Yenjechek, Xiaonan, Gedalia, Dern. And uh, yep, that's about it. That's about it for the uh, the rankings changes. And I don't think we'll have a whole lot of changes in the rankings uh, this upcoming Saturday because we're going to have... Uh, oh, shit, what is it? Aspen Ladd and Norma Dumont in what will probably be one of the worst main events of all time uh, coming up. But, uh, you know, and I think I might do a a mailman's matchmaking at some point. I haven't done one of those in a while, but I think I might do that uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. Uh, But, you know, it's probably about time to do one of those. But, you know, we have some very good fight cards coming up. Obviously, we have 267 Blahovich versus Teixeira on the 30th of October, then one week later, UFC 268 Usman versus Covington 2. So we have two pay-per-views and back-to-back weekends. Both of those pay-per-views are fucking absolutely stacked. Uh, you know, we have Lewis and Dawkins in December, Cater and Chikadze in December, Oliveira and Poirier, Font and Aldo. That's going to be great. Holloway and Rodriguez. We have a lot of really good shit. Two weeks, less than two weeks from now, uh, we have Costa and Vittori. That's going to be a really good main event. So, you know, we do have some shitty, shitty main events, you know, like Ladd and Dumont and, and Ketlin Vieira and Misha Tate, Tate, which just makes me want to fucking eat a shotgun. It, you know, that's just sickening how that's uh, allowed to be a main event in the UFC. But, uh, you know, on the whole, we're going to close 2021 very, very strong uh, you know, but yeah, this upcoming upcoming fight card, fight card, which we'll we'll get to tomorrow, uh, does not look good. We got Dumont and Lad, Arlovsky and Felipe. Uh, holy shit! Yeah, that is. Uh, oh man. Oh man, it might even be worse. Actually, it is going to be worse than uh, the one that we just had. So that's going to be absolutely terrible. That's that's what we call a Bellator weekend. When the UFC puts together a fight card like that, it's it's a Bellator weekend. It's a um, it's a college football Saturday when uh, when shit like this happens. So, uh, well, you know, we'll get to that tomorrow. Uh, but for now, we'll wrap it up. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M, and you can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. Uh, you can check out our website and our rankings at NorthStarSports.media. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.